Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and today I am interviewing Jake Hagee, who is a physical therapist as well as a running coach, and he is also an ultra-endurance running athlete himself. Today, we are going to talk about is running a safe form of exercise for older adults. So we're going to talk about things like injury prevention, is it safe for arthritis, and how to balance electrolytes, water, and nutrition as well with your running. So without further ado, here's Jake. So welcome to the program, Jake Hagee. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, for those of our listeners who may recognize Jake, he was on our main channel, did a couple of videos with Brad before talking about his big 100 mile race. But today we're going to talk about is running a safe form of exercise for older adults. So before we get into it, Jake, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about your background? Yeah, I'm a physical therapist. I work at a private practice, uh, orthopedics, sports, you name it. But see, you know, everything head to toe, primarily um, more the active population, whether you're looking just, you know, get walking, running, lifting um, and everything in between. But yeah, I work primarily as a physical therapist and then also have a online uh, running coaching business where we basically write training plans uh, for athletes. You know, if you're gearing up for your first 5K, marathon, ultra marathon, you name it. Uh, but basically making sure that people are training safely um, to get to the start line and then, you know, looking at the performance side of things as well so they can, you know, achieve their goals, but also have fun along the way. So I get to see, you know, the rehab world, but also the performance world, which is a lot of fun. So you are into ultra racing, aren't you? Correct. Yep. So that was um, one of the videos I did with Brad um, was the big Arrowhead 135 uh, foot race up in International Falls, Minnesota. But yeah, I've been doing the whole ultra, which is any distance over 26.2 miles for at least 10 years and have done dozens and dozens of them. So I'm just shaking my head at you because I've only done a marathon. <laughs> It's all right. That's, that's how, that's the starting point for a lot of people. And yeah, it's funny. I just did a marathon um, a few weeks ago as kind of like a training run. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, So do you want to tell people where they can find out more information about you before we get into our questions? Yep. So on the PT side of things, we have a a practice here in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, mydynamicphysio.com. And then the coaching side of things, which is virtual work with people all over the world. Uh, That is trailtransformation.com. And your private practice, you guys just see in person, right? Correct. Okay. Just want to clarify for audience. So our first question is, how does running impact our body's function and running abilities? And what what safety considerations should older adults keep in mind while running? Um, So one of the biggest things, you know, as we age is, uh, you know, ultimately bone density starts to to decrease. So it's really important that we are working on, you know, maintaining good strength and mobility throughout the muscles to withstand the load. Um, You know, a lot of people hear like, oh, running's bad for your knees. It's like, well, no, if you strengthen the muscle or if you are using the muscles correctly, 
they're taking the load of, you know, the impact of running instead of the, the joint itself. So really working on um, some important, you know, rehab kind of preventative exercises uh, to make sure that the muscles are doing their job so you don't cause any additional impact to the knee. And yes, there is impact with running, but changes of, you know, surface, making sure you're doing, you know, some softer, uh, maybe like limestone trail or just general trail running itself um, can help reduce impact, but also some changes in running form as well can reduce ultimately the, the impact um, of running. But as we age, you know, we're probably going to slow down a little bit as well. And, you know, just being aware that that's part of the natural process um, and not, you know, always comparing yourself to your previous version. I'm assuming having some easy runs built in your schedule would benefit this as well. Yes. And that is, you know, a crucial part of any sort of training plan, right? Is, you know, easy days, easy, hard days, hard. I see a lot of people that are just you know pushing too hard all the time, but yeah, easy days are where, you know, you're just kind of letting your body relax and you might hear some people like, well, how, when does running get easy? Well, ultimately <laughs> with, you know, consistency, you know, over time, your body just gets more and more used to the, the movement. And, you know, that's where strength training can come in, you know, really handy as well, is that it makes the running movement that that activity that much easier as well. I would say touching on the surface you run on change. Um, Obviously, if you're visually watching this, I'm 35. Jake, I'm presuming you're in your 30s. 31. 31. He's four years younger than me. I'm old. Jeez. Um, and my father is almost 70, and he still runs. But he always says to me, he's like, yeah, I'm not running on blacktop anymore. <laughs> he lives in country, so he can run on gravel roads, or he does trails when he comes into town here. So, yeah, he's a big proponent into not running on pavement anymore. Yeah. And, and that's actually, you know, some of my personal history of, I grew up doing cross country and track and ran at uh, university of Wisconsin lacrosse. And I would just, you know, constantly run into these injuries throughout the, the training cycle because so many of our miles were, you know, on the pavement. And then I, you know, just kept getting injury after injury. And I finally said like, Hey, I need to step away from this, you know, competitive team atmosphere and just do, you know, what my body can handle. And I just decided to go try some more trail running, running in the local trail system here in lacrosse, just fell in love. And honestly, I haven't had any significant injury since, and that's, you know, 10 plus years ago. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get into our next question. So one common myth is that running is harmful to your joints, especially older or arthritic joints. Can you provide some insights into the actual effects of running on joint health for seniors? Yeah, so you have to look at it from a, an impact standpoint of like, yes, there's a lot of force that, you know, is brought on with running. Every time you land, your body has to, you know, absorb that force and then you have to, you know, create more force to, to push off. Uh, that's where looking at, you know, how are you absorbing that force is so important, which is why, you know, mentioned before, strength training, getting those muscles activated so that you're not just landing, um, you know, and fully putting that force through the knee joint or the hip. It's the, the muscles around there that absorbing the load. Um, and I mean, I have plenty of people in the clinic that have, you know, diagnosed arthritis, right. You know, based off of imaging and whatnot, but if we can strengthen up the muscles and, you know, adjust some mechanics, um, we can get them running totally pain-free. Is with some of the runners, do you have to look at heel striking versus forefoot striking at all? 
Um, so my personal uh, take on that is it's not so much that heel striking is bad, midfoot fore striking is good. It's where the foot lands relative to the rest of the center of mass. So if you're uh, landing with your foot, you know, way out in front of you, obviously you're creating a breaking force that you then are, you know, have to overcome to propel yourself forward. And that doesn't matter if it's a heel strike, midfoot strike, or forefoot is if the foot is in front of the center of mass, you are creating a breaking force. But if you bring that contact point closer to your center of mass, you're ultimately then decreasing the, the breaking force that, that happens. So a couple cues on how to change that kind of uh, landing point would be one cadence, you know, basically increasing uh, your step rate, you know, the kind of golden number is 180, but it's dependent on size and people's uh, kind of natural stride. Um, and another one is just basically changing uh, the center of mass itself. So maybe leaning forward a little bit to shift that center of mass forward so that when you land, your foot is directly below you instead of out in front of you. Because you see a lot of people that are really upright. I sometimes encourage like, hey, let's work on hinging forward, not so much of a flexion, you know, through your, your low back, but kind of a hinge through either the ankle or the hips, depending on the individual. When you say 180, do you mean that many steps per minute or what? Are Correct. You okay. I just want to clarify for our audience. So when he was saying, oftentimes you have to shorten your uh, your stride length or your step length. So what you end up doing is you have to step more because it's shorter to keep the same pace. Correct. Um, Correct. Which is actually quite fast. If you look at most people, they're probably in like the 160s. So to crank it up to 180 uh, can be fairly challenging. There's a lot of research that shows it's extremely beneficial. My personal take on it is that it's really hard to actually implement. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm at one. I, do, I personally don't count. Most people don't. Your smartwatches can tell you. <laughs> Just the FYI. Um, you don't have to sit there and count every step you do. In well, well, that's exactly it. It then takes away from like the joy of running itself because you're just constantly then focused on, you know, this, you know, number of how many steps you're doing in a minute versus just, hey, just go run. Sure. So next question is many people believe that stretching or warming up before a run prevents injuries. Could you elaborate on the role of stretching in injury prevention and its relevance for older runners? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan, and there's a lot of research out there showing, you know, static stretching is not being beneficial. The The ideal is, so static would think of like, you know, reaching down for your toes, holding it for, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. There's, you know, not a lot of research showing any sort of benefit. The, the ideal would be more of like a dynamic warm-up. So some really light um, activation exercises, getting the muscles activated and lengthened. So something as simple as, you know, some squats and lunges, walking on your toes, walking on your heels, doing some, you know, side lunges, maybe doing a couple skips. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, super fancy or elaborate, but it's basically just to get the muscles activated through a full range of motion prior to doing the the running motion itself. So some people, when they run, if say it is a hard run day for our listeners don't know what that means. It means you're running more at a quicker tempo, trying to keep a certain pace. You're not going for an easy run. 
Um, often I see people warming up with just a slower pace. Is that a good recommendation? Yep. Yeah, totally. I would. So what I typically do in programming, if I have like a harder workout day is I'll have someone go and do like a really easy pace, uh, you know, five, 10 minute jog almost, and then do some of those dynamic, um, exercises and then go into the workout. But yeah, I mean, I would highly recommend easing into it prior to any run. You know, even if you have an easy day, I would take it extra easy um before you get out there and it just sometimes takes a while for muscles and joints to you know, actually feel loose especially if you're you know getting out of there first thing and getting out there first thing in the morning or after a long day at the office you know things are just not quite you know as limber as they should be yeah i would i like to reference those as heavy legs and yes. I often have <laughs> them for about two miles uh, totally totally and then it kicks in because i remember in therapy school for me i would say on the long runs i say oh i'm just getting warmed up at five miles in and people look at me like i'm nuts because they only run like three miles and they didn't i agree with you 100 percent. yes <laughs> i was like i'm just getting my stride going my blood flow is moving my joints feel good so yes warming up is definitely important um would you say cooling down too because i know some people do slower tempo yep. the last uh, maybe mile yeah same so. thing you know a slow jog or even a recovery walk afterwards um just to kind of help everything um you know calm back down versus just like jumping back in the car and driving home um or you know getting back into the office um and it also helps from a cardiovascular standpoint right you're not just going from a higher heart rate to you know nothing it's that slow easy um decrease to just kind of allow things to go back to normal do you also recommend, so when I was younger running a lot, I would just immediately lay down when I got back and not do anything the rest of the day. <laughs> now, most times I try to go for a walk or at least stretch later to kind of limber up again. Would you recommend something like that as well? Most definitely. Yeah. The, the younger version, uh, yeah, you could get away with that. But now if you were to try that, you'd probably be pretty sore and stiff um, if you just went and laid down after a workout. Yeah, most times I don't feel like doing it, but I know I will be less sore the next day. Yeah. And that's one big thing about, you know, stretching in general is, you know, you might not feel like you need to do it, you know, like, oh, I might not have any, you know, active aches or pains, but the the benefits of doing it just increase your, you know, your muscles, your joints, ranges of motion, and it just allows them to move more freely. So you're able to move at your optimum, you know, stride or, you know, movement pattern instead of just kind of forcing it. And it's, it's tough because you're not going to get that, you know, runner's high or that, you know, big cardiovascular, um, you know, benefit from just doing some light stretching, but ultimately it's just going to make things feel easier. Yeah, unfortunately, I was in that camp for a long time, and now I stretch a lot after uh, dealing with the injury Jake is well aware of. <laughs> All right, next question is, hydration is often emphasized in running. Is the hydration strategy different for older adults, and how can they balance their fluid intake during runs? Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of this. It's We're in the middle of August right now. It's hot. It's humid. I sweat just by, you know, standing out there. It feels like you're constantly in a sauna. Uh, it feels like it's almost like impossible to play catch up. 
Um, I'd say a big thing outside of just getting in fluid, you know, water would also be getting in electrolytes. Um, that's something, you know, the active population, you know, if you're eating a relatively, you know, healthy diet, um, it's sometimes challenging to get in like the necessary sodium, you know, electrolytes. So that's where adding in, um, like some, uh, what would be a good example, like, uh, uh, scratch electrolyte drink or uh, noon tabs. Um, L LMNT is another one fairly new to the market. Um, but those things have like fairly high doses of electrolytes to help, you know, bring that back because just drinking water itself um, is, is great, but it's not always restoring all of those things that we lose when we sweat. Um, I mean, you should be urinating, you know, several times throughout the day. And sometimes, you know, we get caught up like, yeah, I drink a pot of coffee. Um, so making yeah. sure that you're, you know, getting the necessary water in as well, because water is basically the life source of all of our cells, right. That keep our muscles and heart and brain and all of those things like performing at their best. So if you're not giving it that baseline water and you're, you know, performing dehydrated, um, you're just, you know, not doing your body any, um, any benefit. Yeah. You're much more prone to cramps and just, feeling lethargic if you're low on these and obviously it depends upon for runners how far you're running if it's just a five mile run you'll probably be fine um but when you start looking at you know 10 to 20 to 100 like you would do um <laughs> You have to constantly be replenishing these things. Yeah. And I mean, even on shorter runs, right, of, you know, three to five miles, you know, it doesn't hurt to bring a water bottle with you because you're going to be probably sweating if you're out there for an hour. You'd be surprised at how much, you know, fluid you lose on a really hot day. Um, and it's really important that you restore those levels as quickly as possible because not only are you trying to consume you know, what a normal daily intake of water should be. You're trying to make up for the loss that you just did. Yeah. I did that uh, the other day, actually, unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I was trail running. It was only five miles, but uh, with trail running, there was way more elevation than I'm accustomed to. And I never bring uh, electrolytes on shorter runs. And I had to drink so much later on to <laughs> start to feel normal again. I was getting all sorts of muscle spasms later. It was pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're just in a constant deficit and it's just so, so hard to, you know, get caught up. And I was just chatting about this with an athlete of like, if we don't give our body enough, it then starts to get accustomed to, you know, lower levels, right? Like, oh, it can somewhat function off of a, you know, let's just say like 75% of, you know, hydration um, instead of, you know, performing at a hundred percent hydration, you obviously, you know, able to perform better. Not to mention just feel better in general yeah you typically start to slow down and not perform as well i used to do that uh back in the day in my 20s i'd go on these big loops and i'd rehydrate at five miles in and then i'd the longest i ever went without water was 15 miles during summer and it was pretty rough not yes <laughs> it made the marathon way easier there's hydration stations every mile yep <laughs> but the problem with that though is that those hydration stations are usually you know a tiny little dixie cup and you're yeah. only getting you know one to two ounces so and it's even super... with that it's really hard to actually get caught up 
Yeah, and it's really, really watered down Gatorade, so you're not yes. really getting much electrolytes. You're better off getting the fruit at those. <laughs> so next subject is what is the significance of proper footwear for older runners and how can they choose the right shoe to support their unique needs? Yeah, so shoes are complex. Um, I actually used to work in a in a running store, um, and you just see all sorts of foot types. You know, the changes in running fads over the years have been pretty crazy. You know, we went from you know really heavy stability shoes to minimalist shoes, now to you know maximalist, and now they're getting into you know this whole like carbon plate thing. Um, so just so many variabilities there. Um, but ultimately what it comes down to is comfort, you know, does the shoe feel good on your foot? Um, and a couple things to, to take away from that, it, I would call it the, the hat, um, you know, I, how to fit your shoe. So heel would be the big one. Does the heel feel nice and snug? The arch, does it feel supported? And the toes, is there enough wiggle room? Typically looking for like one thumbnail between the, the longest toe and the end of the shoe. Um, you know, to get into, you know, whether someone should have, you know, stability or cushion is dependent on their foot type. And just to, you know, look at like, oh, you have a flat arch, you need stability shoes isn't always accurate because that person might actually have um, uh, technically like a tight uh, midfoot, like the joints in the midfoot might be tight, but they don't have the, the muscle stability to, to keep it there. So that's where sometimes like having an actual like PT examine the foot type um, can be most beneficial um, because there's always exercises that we can do too, right? I, I look at shoes as like an extension of the body, not just, you know, a fix for a, you know, ache or pain. Like how can we, you know, strengthen up the foot or get the foot more mobile moving the way it's supposed to. And then the shoe just supplements that versus, you know, kind of covering up all of the, the, the problems that it may have. Yeah. I, so I have transitioned uh, people that watch the main channel already know, but I used to have normal running shoes. I just had a six or whatever felt good. And I transitioned to flats now, but they're still cushioned. I don't go to minimalist because I do a lot of road running. Um, I found it. So mine have a wider toe box as well. But for me personally, I was starting to get my toes starting to scrunch in and I, I never had pain in my feet, but every time I'd start running for a while before I switched to those, I would have like pain that felt like in my plantar fascia area, but it would always loosen up after a mile. But as soon as I switched to these other shoes, my feet kind of naturally got stronger and I don't have that issue anymore. But it's a slow transition. You don't want to immediately go into that if you are starting out. You want to kind of slowly build into it. I actually walked first before I ran, but that's just what I did. Yeah. So, you know, back to, I guess, the question of the significance of proper footwear is yes, you know, go get fitted, <laughs> go to an actual, you know, specialty running store, have a professional um, look at the way you move. They're going to help guide you into um, the correct footwear. And even if you're not running, even if you're walking, it's beneficial to have something that truly fits you and feels good versus just going, yeah, so-and-so said, try these shoes. Um, it might be great, but they might not be for you. Um, and another big one is don't forget to change them out. Um, 
I know it's shoes are getting crazy expensive nowadays, but one of those things that like, if you want to make sure that you're keeping, you know, all of the other aches and pains at bay, you need to, you know, make sure that you're keeping your shoes relatively fresh as, as well, because the cushion does break down. The stability does break down over time. And sometimes you don't know how bad it is until you put a new pair on. Yeah. And I would say for you and I, we might get acclimated a little quicker since we are in our thirties. If you are an older runner, you probably know it takes a little more time for your body to go through changes if you're changing shoes. So just, just a forewarning. <laughs> All right. Next question is high intensity workouts are popular, but are they suitable for older runners and how can seniors strike a balance between pushing themselves and avoiding injury? Yeah. So I think that's, you know, depends on the, the starting point, right? If you're looking to, um, you know, get into running, uh, you might just start with a simple run walk program, right? Run 30 seconds and walk for a minute and a half. And you repeat that, you know, five times, obviously doing a nice, easy walk, warm up and a walk, cool down. Um, so then at that point, the intensity is, you know, the run itself. And then over time you can increase, uh, that duration to maybe, uh, two minutes of running one minute of walking. The run is obviously that intensity component, but then once you get to be, you know, more custom, maybe you're running, um, you know, consistently a couple miles, a couple times a week, and you're looking for that next challenge, then we can look into, you know, actual intensity workouts of, um, you know, hill repeats or doing some strides or intervals. Um, there's nothing that there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to do them as we age. It's basically just stressing the cardiovascular system in a good way because our bodies ultimately respond to training stress. If you give it the proper recovery, right? We push ourselves, we challenge it, and then we let it rest and recover and it comes back stronger. Uh, so you might hear some people like, oh, I'm just in a rut. Uh, well, it's probably because they've been training the same way for a long time and haven't introduced any of that variability of you know, intensity. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no concerns by adding in um, some intensity into a training plan, but on the flip side, you need to make sure that you're resting as well. Yeah, I would say, you know, if someone is were to just go out and want to increase the intensity, trying to say sprint, you might actually cause some type of injury or strain, where if you just instead of run at more of an incline, instead of flat, that's a pretty easy way to add intensity without possibly increasing your risk of injury. Totally. And, and I think you have to look at it, it's not always black and white either, right? There's not easy running and then sprinting, right? There's that in between, if we were to call it like on an RPE scale, you know, one is you're going out for a walk and 10 is max sprinting. You know, it's okay to do, you know, little bursts of speed at a, you know, five to six effort where it's, you know, slightly faster than your easy run, but it's nowhere near, you know, sprinting capacity. Cause yeah, I mean, if you go straight to sprints, yeah, you're, you're a little bit more likely to probably, you know, encounter a muscle strain of some sort, especially um, if you haven't done a thorough warm up and, you know, haven't done any sprints in forever. Yeah. I uh, had a hamstring strain when I started doing sports this summer. <laughs> it wasn't uh, fun. Uh, for our listeners, RPE is rate of perceived exertion. Is it a one to 10 scale? Uh, or it's what, five to 16? There's a couple versions. I guess it. it I like to keep it simple. Uh, it basically just means how intense it feels to you. So like if 
if it was five to 16, a five would yeah, be five seven. to 20, five to 20. See, Which I just don't, I don't even use that that often <laughs> because it's such a vague number. Why would you go five to 20? But ultimately it's because of resting and max heart rate. Uh, so yeah, we'll do, we'll do one to 10. Well, one, so one is easy. 10 is hard. It's how hard it feels to you. Yes. That's what it is. So the myth of no pain, no gain can lead to overexertion. How should older runners differentiate between normal discomfort and potential injury signals? Yeah, that's a good one. I get it in the clinic a lot. You know, the difference between pain and ache and soreness, right? Uh, pain is one of those where your body is trying to tell you, hey, you know, don't do this. Something is off. And if you ignore it, your body's probably going to find a way to compensate, you know, through it. And then you start loading up other muscles or joints in a negative way. And then you are dealing with two problems. Um, so pain is one of those things that you really shouldn't push through. And on the flip side of that, I should rephrase it. There's some pains that are okay if it's on that really low level scale. If you're coming back from like a tendon um, issue, for example, sometimes you actually need to put a little bit of load through there uh, to actually help with the healing process. Um, but in general, pain is one of those things. It's a sign that you shouldn't fully push through. Um, ache is one of those it's probably like, okay, things are, have been worked. They haven't been probably worked that way in a while. It's usually um, also kind of a byproduct of the after effects of doing a, a workout. Um, so like, oh, my knees ache, you know, afterwards. Well, like, well, maybe you were putting uh, a little, you ran a little too hard on a harder surface, for example. Like it's not necessarily something bad. It's kind of one of those more annoying things. Uh, but just to take notice and, you know, if you want it to not ache, there's things we can do in terms of, you know, changing up the surface and adding in some, you know, strength and stretching to get the muscles to do their job. And then soreness, in my opinion, is a good thing. Uh, it just basically means the muscles were working. Um, you may sometimes it might be a lot of soreness because you really overdid something that you haven't done in a really long time. Like I actually did some, uh, some pretty intense strength training on Tuesday this week, and I'm still having a hard time sitting down. Uh, <laughs> but that's totally my fault because I let it go for a few weeks and it really wasn't much, but I was like, yeah, that just shows if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, so it's important to recognize those, you know, differences and soreness is totally okay with enough consistency um, and, you know, easing back on sometimes the intensity, it's just, it's going to normalize. Yeah. If someone can't understand soreness and pain, pain essentially never goes away, no matter how long the duration and soreness will be there temporarily. Maybe it's for a few hours, maybe it's for a few days, but eventually it dissipates. So that is normal, but yeah, the lingering pain thing is not. So next question. Some believe that cardio is enough and strength training isn't necessary. We, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but how does strength training contribute to better running performance and injury prevention in older adults? Yeah, strength training is one of those. It, it just does a much better job getting the muscles to function the way they're supposed to function. Um, I mean, I see it all the time in the clinic where, you, you know, these runners can run, you know, pretty far distances, but then you ask them to do, you know, single leg balance or a squat or a lunge and they like 
can actually do it. And it's like, how are you running? Well, a lot of it's because they're just, you know, using uh, momentum, but I would argue how much better they could be doing if they learned how to, you know, actually activate the muscles properly. Um, and yeah, cardio workout, like, you know, doing a run, you get that, you know, runner's high strength training for, you know, a runner isn't quite as enjoyable, but it, the benefits of it are so, so high in that carryover to, to running, because you're, if you think about running, you're basically just doing a relatively light load, you know, thousands of times, right? Like you're not really strengthening up anything. You're just kind of gently loading it and then you recover. Yeah. You're probably going to get some soreness. Uh, but if you think about strength training, you're usually doing uh, a much higher load, you know, obviously way less, you know, sets and reps, but you're kind of pushing the, the muscles to this new level of stress so that when you recover, they're that much stronger, which then ultimately makes the running motion, running load and body's tolerance to running that much easier as well. Yeah. And the strength training can be many options. It doesn't have to be weights. It can be body weight. It can be bands. Um, Brad actually told me for many years, he just, he used to do a lot of triathlons. He still does one a year, um, but he used to only do endurance. He never used to resistance train until he was older. And now he does it and he can tell. And he actually helped his back issues um, through strength training because he strengthened his core now. And now his back doesn't bother him nearly as much. So it is a very important component to just being overall healthier and function better. Yep. And I was the same way, used to just run, 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 um, and was doing okay. But then once I started to factor in uh, strength, like I was actually able to reduce my running, you know, commitment, time, volume, and perform better and ultimately feel better along the way as well. And it, like you said, it doesn't have to be anything complicated, simple body weight, um, you know, looking at the tempo or the time, like doing a slow controlled squat versus, you know, just kind of bouncing up and down. There's so many variations of it. Um, but yeah, it, and then it carries over to, to just functional things, right. Just being stronger in day-to-day -day life versus just, you know, running. Yeah. I will. Lifting and resistance training becomes fun once you get better at it. <laughs> it just, it takes yes. a while. Just All like right. running, right. Just like running. It's, it's not easy out of the gates, but once you start to, you know, feel good, it is that much easier. And then you start to crave it. Oh, no. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but when I was younger, I was pretty overweight and running. I hated it. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it took a while. Um, I played sports, but after a while, I got into running, and now I actually enjoy it. So Good. Next question is, nutrition plays a crucial role in recovery. What nutritional guidelines should older runners follow to optimize their performance and overall well-being? Uh, I like to keep it fairly simple, you know, Food is fuel. Uh, ultimately, if you want to perform your best, you need to have food to to keep it there. Obviously, then it's dependent on you know the type of fuel that you're consuming, right? Don't go and you know eat fast food because there's calories there. But you know, obviously, the the healthier you eat, uh, the better your body is going to feel, and then ultimately the better you're going to be able to reform and recover as well. Um, you know, specific you know recommendations on. Um, after running would be getting some sort of like higher protein carb um, 
source, usually like a liquid, you know, the kind of ideal that a lot of people talk about would be like chocolate milk. Um, if you can consume something like that within, you know, 20, 30 minutes of a run, that's just going to significantly improve your recovery time. Um, and, you know, I've experimented a lot too of, you know, eating, eating during the run and immediately after, and it just recovery is so much faster versus, Oh, I'll, I'll get to something eventually. Cause then your body is, your body's trying to recover after these workouts. And then it's like, well, I don't have any food to use. So then it continues to use its own stores to, to do that. Yeah. It's very dependent upon what the person uh, I should say digests well too, because if you're doing it before you run uh, and it stirs your stomach, which it can for me, um, I'm pretty conscious of what I eat before or immediately after. Um, just kind of depending upon what the run is too. Cause I, yeah, I've had uh, in the past when I was younger, if you eat crappy the night before even, and then you run the muscle soreness and the stomach problems I have are so much more severe than. Yes. I always found it interesting that, uh, high school, you know, cross country track and stuff would have these, you know, spaghetti dinners, you know, the whole carbo loading side of things. And I just remember like whoever eats more is going to perform better. <laughs> you know, so you get a giant <laughs> plate of spaghetti and garlic bread and, you know, dessert and whatnot. And you leave that thing like, Oh my gosh, I am so full. And you wake up the next morning, like, and all you have to do is run a, you know, a 5k in the grand scheme of things, but just being like, so, so, you know, full from this. And now as I've, you know, become more experienced, it's one of those like a nice, you know, light meal that's not going to cause any sort of stomach issues, you know, going into the next day, you just feel that much better. I, I personally prefer to have, you know, before like competition, you know, making sure you're eating enough, you know, two days before that way you're not, you know, going into this thing all bloated and full and all sorts of GI issues. Um, but yeah, making sure that you're finding things your, your body can tolerate, um, on the run as well. Uh, gels are, you know, obviously really popular. There's a lot of chews that are hitting the market. Um, you know, basically like fancy gummy bears and whatnot. Um, but nothing replaces, you know, real food as well. Bananas, um, orange slices, uh, electrolyte drinks are obviously, you know, as we talked about earlier, extremely beneficial to not just replace the fluid, but the electrolytes that you're, we're losing during, um, workouts as well. I would warn people, uh, typically the cheaper gels uh, might be problematic for your GI tract. Uh, I, I had that issue last race. It wasn't Same. very fun. <laughs> I, I cannot do gels anymore ever again. Yeah, I I can do a specific gel that's pretty pricey, um, but that's about it. I can't do the cheap ones. I Yeah, I got to go to the bathroom the rest of the day after the race. Which one, uh, which one are you using? You can. Okay. Yep. Yep. I've used them in the past. Um, they can, I've done that. The drink before as well. Um, yeah. Stuff works. It's yeah. Those, expensive. those could sit with me. Yeah. But they're, yeah, they're pricey. Uh, yeah. It's not, <laughs> they don't taste great either. I'm just letting you know if you've a never little chalky, <laughs> they're a little chalky. <laughs> okay. Next question. Are there specific warm up and cool down routines that are more beneficial for older runners to prevent injury? Well, we kind of hit this earlier, but yeah, kind of diving into, you know, doing that easy walk, jog, doing some simple activation exercises, squats, lunges, heels, heel walks, toe walks. Um, and then afterwards, um, you know, I'm kind of a proponent of like, if it feels tight, stretch it. Um, you know, you can always benefit from some hip mobility 
calf ankle mobility, um, you know, even just some simple like yoga poses, you know, would, would do the trick, child's pose, um, the warrior, just things that are just going to kind of open things up instead of just, you know, causing us to you know, get tight into flexion again. Yeah, I actually, um, so my dad, like I mentioned earlier, he's, he's very active for almost 70. Uh, he doesn't just run. He does lots of different cardio and lifting stuff, but he, um, he's very rigid and stiff. I noticed over the years now. So I actually found him a 20 minute yoga runners routine to follow along video. And he just loves that thing. And he does it all the time now. So it's helping a bit, but awesome. Yeah. And that's, I'd say that's a big one, right? As we age, we just get stiffer. I mean, it's just part of the natural aging process. And this is where, you know, runners are at fault is because all we do is want to run right? And it's, if you want to still be running your best, not even performance wise, but just feeling good, you need to also do those other things of the stretching and the strength training. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I see a lot of runners in the clinic and some of them come in and it's just like, you know, you can just tell they've never stretched a day in their life and they're stiff as a board. And it's like, all right, we're going to, we got some work to do to turn this stuff around, but they're not even aware of it. Right. Because that's just all they've done is run. And it's just, that's how their body, you know, um, adjusts to it over time. Yeah. I find for me personally, it, it's going to depend individually, but find what type of stretching routine you like and just set a specific time of day. You're going to do it. Or if you can't do it every day, alternative days. So for me, like personally, I'll do exercises if they're prescribed to me, like Jake gave me some to do. But other than that, I get really lazy. So for me, doing a 10-minute yoga video every day, I can do that for some reason. But if I'm forced to like think of stretches myself, I just don't want to do it. Agreed. So I guess just get in a routine of something you find beneficial. Once I'm doing it, I enjoy it. It's just actually <laughs> you know, doing it itself. Yes, Okay, so what role does cross-training play in a training regimen for older runners, and how can it complement their routine? So, so I would say, you know, what we were just talking about of stretching and strength training can be, you know, a form of the cross-training. Um, if we were looking into it more of the, you know, cardio version of cross-training, um, all of it's beneficial to still get the cardiovascular benefit without the um, same, you know, impact on the joints and different muscle movement patterns. So you could look at swimming, right? You're having to get a fair amount of, you know, cardiovascular um, things going, but also good core stability to, to keep you moving. Uh, still using the legs a little bit, obviously a lot more arms. Then if you look into, you know, cycling, for example, uh, there's just a lot more kind of lower body, um, it's just a slightly different activation pattern without the, you know, impact that running has, and you can still get a very, very good, um, you know, cardiovascular workout out it, out of it. I would even say like, if you're looking for intensity, um, that's a really good way to, you know, challenge the cardiovascular system without the impact of running. Um, another really good one that I personally like is cross country skiing. Um, relatively, you know, minimal, uh, impact. It's a whole body workout. You got your arms going, uh, you got to work on balance, core stability, hip stability. Uh, the toughest thing with that one is just, you know, 
learning how to do it and snow, depending on where you live. Um, but yeah, cross training can always play, you know, a huge, huge benefit into running. And uh, the reason it's also beneficial is just think about the longevity of your running career as well, right? Some people run all year round, which is great, but we want to make sure that you're, you know, doing it for a lifetime in the grand scheme of things. So if you, it means you need to go from running, you know, four to five days a week to, you know, two to four and you add in a day of cross training, but it's going to increase your longevity, you know, within sport, do it. I mean, it's fun to mix things up. Sometimes you can find, you know, a group of people that you ride or, um, you know, swim with or ski with. Um, and it's just, it's a different kind of, um, atmosphere, but you're still getting the same benefits in the grand scheme of things. I think you forgot a really big alternative for seniors and that's pickleball. Yes. <laughs> I actually really like pickleball. Uh, it's very challenging. If you play singles with someone else, your age, uh, I yes. can get quite a workout. The ironically. new and up and coming cross training. I totally, <laughs> totally. I would, I'll add, um, rowing is kind of nice to that, but that's, yep. I mean, you kind of have to do it on the machine. I guess if you want to get in a canoe and row yourself, but yeah, and you know hey walking's cross training as well right Um, yeah you're still getting some good cardiovascular benefits still activating muscles is just not the same amount of impact but yeah walking's you know still great exercise as well yeah uh my dad actually cross country skis during winter and i never really got into it and i tried in my 20s and obviously like i'm faster than him at running but I try to ski and I don't have the mechanics at all. And that guy just kicked my butt. Yep. I don't know what I'm doing. I fall over a lot too. I'm not practice, practice, practice. Yeah. That's his thing. I just leave it to him. <laughs> so how can older runners adapt their training plan to accommodate any age related limitations while still making progress and achieving their goals? Yeah. I would just look at, you know, the overall time commitment to, um, running itself. And let's say, you know, kind of like the previous question, you're instead of doing, you know, you know, five, six days of running, do we add in, you know, a day of cross training? Do we add in, you know, that supplemental mobility and strength, um, workouts, because that, those are the things that we just unfortunately neglect. Um, and if we can work on good activation, improving overall mobility, it's just going to, uh, kind of counteract the effects that the body goes through as, as we age. I would imagine it's kind of hard to schedule everything too, especially if you got a family to figure out time for everything. But Well, and that's exactly it. So you might have to take out that running and, you know, add in those other things, but realize that the addition of those other things are what's going to keep you, you know, ultimately running healthy yeah. as well. I had, a uh, uh, one of my cousin's husband's, um, ran a marathon last year's first one he's he's a pretty heavy guy too he finished he did it uh but he has they have kids a young one he has to stay home he did a lot of his training on the treadmill because someone had to watch the kid (laughs) he's like i should have ran outside more but it's kind of what he had to do so all right my last question is are there any lesser known tips or strategies that can help older runners stay motivated injury free and enjoying their running experience Um, I think the whole trail running side of things is beneficial just for the fact of like it, you can be encouraged to, you know, walk a little bit more, right. It's normal to, you know, walk up some of those hills, um, 
obviously you want to be careful of, you know, rocks and roots and whatnot. So we don't have any um, tripping hazards, but, um, if you find, you know, a simple trail system, maybe go for a long hike on it first, see what you're in for, and then, you know, try to sprinkle in some simple running intervals as well. Um, so the whole trail side of things is just kind of a, a unique alternative. Um, also just group runs can be beneficial from an accountability standpoint of like, Hey, maybe instead of going out there and, you know, pushing the pace on your own, you, you slow down a little bit and just, you know, enjoy the company of some others. So, you know, maybe the effort's a little bit easier, but it's not always about, you know, pushing yourself to the max. It's just kind of getting out there and, and enjoying the experience as well. Um, yeah, those would be the, the top wrecks on my end. I immediately imagine this group of people that live by my parents in their 60s and 70s and they they group run. There's a group of guys yep. and that's what they do. And they sign up they make themselves sign up for races periodically. They also do beer runs yet. They're kind yeah, of Yeah, totally. Go for a run, <laughs> meet up for a beer afterwards or coffee. No, um, they run and drink beer at the same time. <laughs> there you go. That's different. <laughs> All right. Uh do you want to mention your website again? Yeah. So uh, on the PT side of things, it's mydynamicphysio.com. And on the um, coaching side of things, it's trailtransformation.com. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mike. 